0: everybody this is Victoria your dog guru and today we're having another episode of coffee and canines the opportunity for you guys to send in your questions and where I answer them on air I hope everybody had a really nice holiday and now I'm ready to get our new year started and jump right into these questions so first one says hey dog guru my dog Marley has a bizarre issue I've hired three trainers and no luck in figuring out how to change it maybe you can help He's a two-year-old Cane Corso. We actually heard of your show through our breeder who listens to it. So whenever he hears the vacuum, he dashes around the house, barks, sometimes tries biting it, and attacks it when it's off. We even bought a Roomba, and he tore it apart in the first two days we had it. What could be causing this, and what can we try? Beverly, Houston, Texas. I'm gonna be honest, there's actually a few reasons why dogs will attack things and destroy things. Um, Vacuums in particular have a really abrasive sound, and dogs have really sensitive hearing. And the other thing that could be going on here is he kind of feels like this noisy machine is invading his home and being that he's a cane corso he's going to be a little bit protective of that space so it could just be an annoyance that turned into something that he feels like he has to defend the family from or it could be a prey drive thing where you know he looks at it as a small animal like running around and he wants to track it down The the reason I'm not as inclined to think that's the case is because he'll (laughs) go after it when it's not even turned on, which means it's not moving. So I would assume it's more of a he's trying to control his space sort of thing, and he's triggered by the noise. So you have to start really small. You have to start by desensitizing him to just the vacuums being in the same room as him and, you know, rewarding him for perhaps looking at it, maybe you flick it on for a second, flick it back off uh, with him him on a leash. And as long as he's remaining calm, you know, you continue rewarding. If he starts acting up, you stop rewarding, you wait for him to calm again, you praise him, and then you go back to the behavior. And you're gonna have to practice this in stages. Um, like anything else, if he's done this for any number of months, let alone years, he's going to be less likely to wanna let go of that process. So you're gonna have to do a lot of inserting yourself and intervening in whatever he's trying to get at. And if it's only the vacuum, like I said, it's probably A combination between it's an abrasive noise and it's all over his house, and normally, I mean, I'm assuming you don't vacuum every single day, especially with a short-haired dog, and if that's the case, he probably just feels like every so often this mechanical intruder runs around the house and he's just trying to take it out of its misery. You might also consider doing something like a leave-it cue where when he does engage with something he shouldn't, You can tell him, leave it, he'll turn tail and walk away from it, or at least stop obsessing over it, and then you can distract him and do something else. But, you know, this is going to take a lot of redirection. Um, You know, I would do something as short as a 10 second period of training, you know, turn the vacuum on and off. If he has no reaction, good boy, good boy, give him a break. And then slowly, when you see no reaction, you can add a couple of seconds at a time and work your your way all the way up to a minute or two. And then you can try just leaving it on and see what his reaction is. And if you feel like he's getting too worked up, then you know you have to back up a little bit and continue building where you were. Because if you move too quickly in pushing for him to be super tolerant in a short amount of time. The likelihood of that happening is a really, it's slim. But the other thing is, is that you're more likely going to be spending more time training the process because when you rush it and you have to go backwards over and over and over, it's just, it can end up being a lot more time consuming than it would have initially been if you had just taken your time to begin with. I've said before, um, dogs all have a different learning style and a learning curve. But, you know, when you're using positive obedience, they latch onto that really quickly. So as long as you're consistent and follow-through, eventually they're going to pick it up a lot in, in a lot shorter period of time than you might think. But if you rush it, rush it, rush it, then you're going to reverse your progress. Our next question says, Dog Guru. My dog is a genius and I need to find some new ways to entertain him. Do you have any suggestions? Preta S. from Buckhead, Georgia. Okay, so... I like buster cubes for dogs that have either a lot of energy or they're just really intellectual and they're getting into things. Another thing you could try is what I refer to as the cup game. And I basically put treats under cups and hide them around the house. And I let the dog go search them out and knock them over, and so they it's a confidence builder, but it's also really entertaining and you don't have to be directly involved, you just have to be present to make sure that, you know, the dog isn't ingesting something he shouldn't in his search. Teaching complex behaviors like naming each toy and telling the dog to bring it to you or bring it over or put it away, You know, not only is it gonna help you with cleaning up, but it's also useful because the dog starts identifying individual things, which adds a different level of complexity. Like, one of my dogs knows the toy, the name of each toy that we own. So if I say go get the horse or go get, you know, Gus, he knows exactly what I'm talking about and he'll go get them. So, you know, Simple things to behaviors they might already be doing could entertain them also, just by adding a little bit more difficulty to what you're asking in the first place. For dogs that are hunting breeds or especially obsessive with digging, I always recommend a baby pool with sand in it and I hide treats and toys and, you know, articles of things that it's safe for them to get into and they dig through it and instead of digging in the yard, now there's a constructive place to do what they're supposed to be doing and also it, helps with a lot of the mess that you might experience in the yard and you won't be filling in holes constantly because it's their space and it's totally allowed and a lot of times you know when you have a really intelligent dog giving them an outlet for some of their natural instincts and some of their natural proclivities that is definitely going to not only enhance their lives and it's a form of, of enrichment but it also helps them stay calmer it stops um, anxiety-based behaviors from developing. I can tell you some of the most intelligent dogs I've ever worked with in my career were also anxiety cases. They overthought everything. They were brilliant, um, and they were driving their families nuts. <laughs> so, there's a lot of things that when you have an intelligent dog, you can do: taking them new places, exposing them to new atmospheres, um, new types of people, asking them to do complex cues in for- foreign environments. Not only makes them better and uh better dogs and more well-mannered but it also is helpful because it keeps their mind working so those are some suggestions i have for now but if you've tried some of those or um you know you, you want even more just send me an email dog here for you at gmail.com and i'm happy to send off some more ideas oh i actually have one more that just came to mind before i move on to our next question which is Setting up a little bit of an obstacle course for your dog, either places where they're gonna have to do specific obedience cues or things they have to run under or jump over or get through, those are great for building confidence, but it entertains the mind in a different more tactile way. So that's something else you could try. You could have them, you know, jumping over chairs or over a mop or going under things or through a towel underneath a chair. You know, there's any number of things you could do without ever buying agility equipment. Um, I wouldn't ever suggest you putting your dog on top of something that's not meant for a dog, for the simple fact that it could break or the dog could get injured. But short of that, I mean, there are things that you can do at just ground level that can be really stimulating and Whether your dog is high-energy and intellectual or just smart and needs something new to do, great option. Okay, our next question is, Dear Dog Guru, our family just adopted a St. Bernard, his name is Charlie, he's a four-year-old and he's the nicest guy. He pulls like crazy though, and he's so strong. We took a basic obedience class and just finished it last month, but despite our attempts, he hasn't improved a lick on this one. Any tips or tricks? Vera from Ontario. Hi Vera. Um, Okay, so because he's a little bit more established, this isn't what I would do with a dog that had had no exposure to cues or no previous work on this behavior. I never start with um, this particular method, but it's something that you can move to when you have either an older owner that needs leverage with the dog Basically what I'm getting at is a gentle leader. It's different from the halty. It's not actually a correctional collar. It's kind of like a horse halter in a lot of ways, um, but it gives you more control of the head, which you're not supposed to be grabbing at it. You know, I used to show the clients that I worked with that I use a little more pressure than moving my fingers um, by the weight of my hand. I'm not pulling. I'm definitely not jerking on their face and I'm not using it as a like I don't snap the leash when they're wearing a head collar or anything like that not that I do that anyway but especially not when they have a head collar because that's going to create a negative association with the head collar but the reason I like it is because you can use it as a transitional piece um, a, a transitional tool so you know you start by desensitizing the dog to it then you start getting some traction with your walks and I'll explain how to do that in a second and then the cool thing about the gentle leader is you can phase it out. You can go back to clipping onto their normal collar if you want. Some people use gentle leaders forever because they don't create um, harm. They don't they, they don't cause harm. But anyway, um, and then when you feel like you're making headway and you feel like, you know, Charlie is on the same page as you and he's moving with you and you have a new history where he's obedient, then you can start transitioning to his regular flat buckle collar and or clip collar or whatever you have. But, you know, I at no point would recommend that you use a pinch collar or a slip collar. There's no point in choking your dog out to slow them down. Um, and worst part about all of that is, is that it's not an effective, it's not even what those collars were meant for, but that all said, you just don't need them in this process. You don't want to overpower the dog. You just want to have a way to reach them. And since you've already done some basic obedience and you've worked on this problem already, this is where I would go on the next, uh, you know, as, as far on this journey, this is the next step I would take. Just to make sure that you've covered all your bases and you aren't being abrasive. You know, you're if you've done... Uh, basic obedience and use positive reinforcement, you know how to use it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's the easiest guy to get on the same page, and he's four years old, so he's probably established his pulling behavior. It could even be why he ended up in um, an adoption situation to begin with, because I happen to know that people who have really large dogs, they can't- that keep pulling them around, and they don't have big backyards, they tend to give the dog up because they can't walk it, and it's just a disaster. As far as when I'm working a dog with the gentle leader, I focus on things that I'm going to want when the gentle leader isn't present anymore. So things like eye contact, I work in small distances, you know, you can start with the distance between two houses and just work on walking back and forth, or even in your hallway at home. You know, there isn't a defined place you have to work on loose leash walking, and that's what I really focus on. My dogs do know how to heal, um, but loose leash walking is really what I shoot for because, Personally, I just don't really feel it's fun for a dog to just be hyper-focused for an extended period of time. I mean, while it's something that I think is a useful skill and it certainly has been a skill that I've utilized in their lifetimes, I don't require that on a general walk. If they're working, that's different. When I was working with clients, I used to tell them, you know, when you can walk the distance between two houses and you're not having any issues, then add another house and try that for a couple of days. If that's so great, add another house. And you keep going gradually until you've made a full walk around your whole development. But what you don't wanna do is force them through it. If you're, you, know, you wanna always end the session on a good note and when you make progress, stop it there. If you keep going at it, the dog is probably going to slide back down the other direction and they're going to lose all the progress and all the traction you just built. So when you see that you're going in the right direction, no pun intended, then go ahead and go home take a break and go practice, I don't know, dinner time or the next morning or whatever. As I mentioned earlier, um, leave it can be a really useful cue whether your dog has a prey drive or it just gets excited when it sees new people. people. So that's one you could practice. I'd make sure that you've worked on stay a lot, especially in a public atmosphere because it can be so useful um, and not only that, but if you're if you're a little distracted, having your dog in a stay that you know is reliable can really help when you're gathering your purse and your keys and getting on with your day. Um, and then you can also try something that we call the old lady walk, where you kind of shuffle very slowly and the dog has to match your speed. And I used to do things where I'd speed up and I'd slow down and kind of change my gait. So this way, no matter what... I know that they're going to be focused on me and following me instead of just running their own agenda. At the same time as practicing all of the things I mentioned, you should do things like turnarounds, turning into the dog, having the dog turn around you, um, you know, what we call a reverse where you walk forward and then you make a u-turn so that your dog has fluid and quick responses to what you're doing. And that really helps with the bond of the relationship, and it keeps them cued into you during a walk, but it just makes them a lot easier to walk in the first place. I mean, if you have a giant dog, um, and I'm, I'm about to get a new fondland, so I am I totally feel for you. <laughs> when you have a giant dog, you have to start the earlier the better, but when you have an adopt, adopted dog who's already giant, perhaps has already had this behavior ritualized and um, has been at it for a long time, then you have to focus on getting your skills together, which you've started, and then tweaking things as necessary, which is what we just talked about. So give all that a shot. And then as always, if you have any questions, you can always email me and we'll build on that from there. Okay, our next question is dog guru. I have a question. My school is trying to get me to show registration for my service dog Kyla. They also asked me if I had to have her with me in class, if it was absolutely necessary. Up until now, I've been in a private school, but recently I started college and it's been kind of a rough adjustment. I know you have a service dog, so how would you handle this? Not really a training question, but I still need advice. I'm all stressed out and I'm not sure what to do. Anonymous. Well, anonymous, I just wanna say, I'm sorry that you're going through this. I know how stressful it can be. The first thing you need to explain to your school, and I would do it with a printout from the ADA, is make them aware that this is a medical device for you. You know, they can't ask for registration because there is no legal registration anyway. Um, I mean, other than the breed registration, which has zero to do with the training or it being a service dog. Um, I don't know if you have paperwork from your doctor, you should. Typically when you're going to college, you'll ask for accommodation before, especially if you're living on campus, before you actually attend. So if you haven't done that, go ahead and contact your school about that. There's always a resource for people who are disabled, students who are disabled at the school where they have to make reasonable accommodations for you. So, I mean, it's like any other disability. If you ever get approached about it again, I would definitely explain to whomever was questioning you, if you need the service dog, that yes, it's a medical device and leave it at that. And then if it's not somebody that's a school official, they're not even allowed to ask you that. Like I said earlier, you know, there is no registration. Your dog has to be current on vaccines. It has to be healthy, it has to not be disruptive. But if she is a legitimate service dog that, you know, is trained for, to help you manage uh, in some form or fashion, they can ask you what tasks she can perform or what she's trained to do. Um, But they can't ask about your personal medical condition or, you know, how much you need her. That's not their business. I don't know exactly who approached you about this, if it was somebody that was a school official, if it's somebody that works at the school, or um, who it was that approached you. But all that said, I would go ahead and address it and go over anyone's head that you need to and express that this is a necessary piece of medical equipment that you can't be without, and whether it has four legs or not is kind of irrelevant as long as she's doing her job and she's not disruptive in the class. Our last email says, Happy New Year, dog guru. My dog Denver, a rescue who's about five years old right now, hates my new boyfriend. I really like this guy, but my dog cannot stand him. He's never done this with anyone else. In fact, he's typically, he typically loves everyone. Help. <laughs> What is wrong and can it be fixed? Laterra, Sunderland, Chicago. Hi, Laterra. Okay, so, (laughs) at first when I started your email just a second ago, I was thinking, okay, well, here's a dog that, you know, just doesn't like men. But when you said that he's never done this before, um, that, that sticks out to me a bit. There are cases where dogs will single somebody out and for whatever reason, they don't like that person. But if this is something that's only, only ever happening with one individual, I hate to say it, but I'd be asking why. Um, Not to say anything is necessarily wrong, but dogs pick up on a lot of different things, and the fact that you've never seen this with anybody else you've dated, and you've never seen it with a family member or a friend or somebody else who's come over to visit, It could be a territory thing, or it could be that he's trying to be defensive of you. You might try testing it out a little bit and bringing the dog to neutral territory maybe bring him to i mean if he's generally friendly you could bring him to like a dog friendly bar or whatever and have your boyfriend meet you there and if the dog still overreacts but doesn't seem phased by anybody else that would give me pause Um, i'm certainly not trying to jump to conclusions but i've only ever ever had one other case that sounded eerily similar to this one and the end of that story was when this woman ended up in an accident This guy that the dog could not have standed just completely fell off the planet, left her in the car after a severe accident and just never. I mean, so sometimes I feel like they just have the edge and their instincts are really strong and powerful. So as kind of a little test, I'd go ahead and set up a date in a neutral space. Even a park would be fine. Um, One that you don't frequent a lot, just so this way the dog doesn't think. It's his space, and if he has no negative reaction, then it's probably a territory issue. And that is something that you can desensitize him to, but if he's having that exact same reaction, regardless of how many other people are around, how tall they are, what they're wearing, and you're only seeing him focus on your boyfriend, I would wonder why. Um, I'm really curious and I would love to hear an update about this particular story because I have some sneaking suspicions that the dog is picking up on something and kind of trying to warn you about it. I mean, it's really not crazy. I used to, my oldest dog, Man, he was he was great when I was dating because if he didn't like somebody, I just knew that they, they were no they were no good. He he's a really nice dog, but he wouldn't accommodate just anybody who I brought into my life. So I knew that if he liked the person that I was seeing that at least there weren't any obvious signs that there were problems. Um, and like I said, you know, far be it for me to take a dog's judgment over my own, but if this is a super consistent problem and it's the first time you've ever seen it surface anywhere, then that's a very different thing than him just being like, I hate this guy and hate this guy. So you need to kind of pick it apart a little bit, do a little trial run somewhere else, see if you get the same reaction. If you do, then, you know, maybe pause, put put on the brakes a little bit and continue dating in neutral territory. Um, Maybe even bring a shirt that smells like your boyfriend back to your house, but not your actual boyfriend. Um, You know, I am all for getting a bond going, but there could be other factors here. You know, perhaps when you walk out of the room, he's like teasing the dog. I don't know if any of this is going on. Or perhaps, you know, it's not something really sinister whatsoever. It's just that he doesn't really know how to interact with the dog and the dog feels like your boyfriend's awkward. That could be a thing too. So just kind of try and relieve some of the tension on the dog. Stop bringing somebody you know he can't stand over until you've really established why and then start working on either bonding them or desensitizing him to his presence. Uh, But definitely follow up and let me know what you thought about what I had to say about this because I would love to chat with you about it and see if there's any other things that might stand out that I could contribute, or um, perhaps after hearing this, something will come to mind, and, and I would definitely like to help you. So, anyway, not my typical response, but given my own personal experience and how rare it is that a dog will sin- single out only one person in their entire history, that's kind of odd. At least to me, it's odd. All right, so that's the last of our emails for today. Continue sending them to me. Dog Guru here for you at gmail.com or facebook.com forward slash dog guru podcast. You already know our Twitter and our Instagram. You can find them through our Facebook as well. And as most of you know, we're going through a merging process with Blazing Caribou Studios. So while we're in transition, Um, we're going to be focusing on building content and making a very smooth transition in this process, so bear with us. If you know somebody who loves dogs, has dogs, needs help with a dog, please send them our show so that we continue growing and reaching all the dog lovers of the world, helping them restore peace within their home. If you like the show, love the show, please donate. You can donate a dollar, cost of a cup of coffee whatever amount you feel, it certainly will not go unnoticed or unappreciated. I, as always, will post a link in the show notes along with how to rate us on iTunes, which if you haven't done already, I would definitely appreciate. I want to thank everybody who wrote in today, and I just want you to know that without you guys, the show would not be possible, and I appreciate it so very much that you care enough to write in, send me your questions, and tell me about your crazy and amazing dogs. That's it for me today, everybody. This has been Victoria, your dog guru. Namaste.